This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Jim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, Sim Kawakami here with TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very, very glad to have on my good friend, NBA senior writer for The Athletic, and uh, all, all around man about town, around the universe, country, who I don't ever know where he's going to be. It's, of course, the great Sam Amick. Sam, how are you doing today? TK, good morning, my friend. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the intro. You, you know, I'm pretty NorCal heavy. You know, yeah, you are. You yeah, that's I, okay. That's but that's other like, universal. Know. North NorCal is universal. We we, we it's a good place to be everywhere. though. You know, it's a good place uh, to be. I don't want to start this with Kings because I just finished talking Kings with Slater. You sack guys. Uh, so let's start Warriors. Actually, that might be slightly sure. more attention on that. Yeah, yep. uh, you've been around a lot. I was joking because you've been down a ton. So much is happening with the Warriors. What's your sense, just kind of someone who knows them well, but you're around other teams too, you talk to other executives and agents, what's your sense of the mood around the Warriors leading into this opener, which happened Tuesday, and obviously they got another game Friday? What's your sense of what the league thinks about what's been going on? Obviously the Draymond punch of Jordan Poole, the contracts of Poole and Wiggins, and and where their minds are at right now. I mean, I think... A lot of people, myself included, are, are pretty, I mean, stunned is maybe a little strong, but, you know, pretty surprised at their ability to navigate, you know, what Steve Kerr called the crisis, the, the, you know, the toughest one that he's faced in his time with the Warriors, to navigate it to this degree, where they can go out on opening night and accept their rings and, you know, and, and put a beating on the Lakers and, and have the media stuff go fine. And you and I both know, and I think we'll get into this, like, it, you know, it's not as if everything is healed. It's not as if the kumbaya stuff is 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 back the way it was when they won the finals. And so, you know, it is to be determined. It is, you know, wait and see and let's watch this thing all season long. But I think around the league, people and, and media executives and teams have been programmed for obvious reasons to, to think the Warriors are going to find a way. That, you know, whether you want to say it's culture and talent or the combination they're in, um, you know, there's a lot of understandable fear of, of, you know, their ability to defend the title and the fact that they have got such a rock solid group that, uh, that, that if any team could survive it, you know, this kind of a situation, it's them. And, and so far, obviously, they're, they're keeping this thing on track. Also been a lot of writing about from uh, from those of us who cover them and and those around the team. You know, this could be a last dance situation. Right. I don't you know, again, it, it, that, that one was kind of a declared last dance this is Steph's going to be on this team, right? I mean, I, right. he's not, Michael Jordan's not leaving like he did with the Bulls, but right. elements of that, absolutely sure. Does this team, can it handle a last dance? What's a, what's a last dance mentality, specifically in Draymond's mind, and, and Steph too, and Clay? What's that going to be like this season? How's that going to play out? 
I know we got to come up with a good moniker. Yeah, last dance that, doesn't. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't hit it on the head. It's like you know you're at the wedding and it's not like nobody's dancing, but you know most of the people are off the dance floor. You know it's it's something in between. And and I think you know Steph, like you said, is going to be at the epicenter of it. He's not going anywhere. You know you know how does it go i think it's up to draymond honestly because the vibe you know and you, you said it i've been around it a lot and, and for me in my role because you guys dominate in the bay and and they're just incredible in the way you are with you and marcus and slater that um you know i end up going into this mentality of let me be a fly on the wall because this story is not going away i need to be able to feel you know kind of the the mood and and see what's happening now even if i don't write that context until later so with that in mind you know, we're in the locker room the other day and, and Marcus and I were talking to Jordan Poole after the game when they beat the Lakers and just nothing, not even basketball related. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself like, damn, like he is relaxed, seems comfortable, seems good, seems chill. I feel like Jordan is going through this and it's impressive somewhat, you know, robotically. He's going to be a pro. He got his bag. I think he's going to play well. Draymond is the one that it, it's going to all be up to him. You know, how does he feel if his teammates don't start returning the affection that used to be there before, if he doesn't feel the respect from a leadership standpoint that he earned through all these years and then lost, you know, uh, to a pretty great degree with this mistake that he made. And, you know, the other night when you talk to people in the building, it was like, okay, yeah, there's still, uh, you know, you call it a divide, you call it healing to be done. Um, that element you know, if it doesn't really get better fast, it's just like, all right, is, Dr is Draymond going to be okay with that? And if he's not, then what? what is the ripple effect? What does that mean on the floor? What does that mean behind the scenes? And so for all those teams that would love to see the Warriors fall apart, you know, I think that's the, uh, the little sliver of hope. I don't want to, like, give give up anything here, but, I mean, I, I saw you chatting a little bit to Draymond after the game. I, I could, he was out of there before I could get over there and – Seemed a little bit like it wasn't the loosest conversation in the whole world. It was a few of you guys. Like, just give me, a, you don't have to say what you talked about, but the, what was the feeling of the, you know, what was the tenor of his mood at that moment? Yeah, I mean, it was all, it was all pretty harmless. There was nothing. Um, but, but what struck me is like, all right, first of all, and you tell me, because you probably, you might know his post game routine in the past. Not for than a me. while. Yeah, not for a while, by the way. But yeah, yeah, but, but so we walk in there and again, what you're alluding to, we haven't been in locker rooms for quite some time. So this is, fresh and new and, and obviously welcome. But what struck me is that, you know, you had a bunch of warriors who went straight from the game to the weight room and were getting in that kind of post game work and, and doing a little bit of lifting still, you know, on the clock. And then you go in and Draymond has already thrown his, you know, incredibly bright green suit back on, you know, the, the suit and the drip is back on right away. Um, when we talked to him, it was myself, Rick Buecher. I forget who else was there. But he was showing us the championship ring. And so, we're, you know, we're looking at it. And what and this was funny, but also probably a little telling that, you know, my strong impression is that he was not real interested in doing media after that game. Um, so as we're talking for a couple of minutes, he starts kind of going, you know, towards the back door, so to speak. And I kind of say, Dre, hey, are you doing the podium tonight? Meaning if he's going to talk to the press at the podium, then we won't bug him in the locker room because that's an obligation that he has. And he kind of looked at me and was like, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And I'm thinking to myself, like, ah, I don't know. He didn't didn't have a huge night. And as I turn, I go to Warriors PR and I kind of say, hey, is, is Draymond doing the podium? 
And they look at me, they're like, no. And by the time I turn around, he's already bounced. You know, yeah. he's off into the night. Uh, didn't didn't end up talking. And, and I think we're probably going to see a fair amount of that. I know he talked with the apology and he talked a couple days after the apology. Um, but now in kind of phase two of this situation, you know, he's probably going to, I think, uh, you know, just not want to revisit any of that stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't want to amplify this. And, and it, it just could be something he had something to do and that happens. Uh, but you were in, I think you were in the locker room. I mean, like, you know, Steph always is working out and then he shows up in the locker room and he's just kind of there. Yeah. And Clay was just there chatting away. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Wiggins and Poole, as you mentioned. Andre got out of there fast, but Andre can do that. Uh, and Looney and like they're just kind of around again. Maybe it's the rings and you know they, but that's their thing. I think if you're asking me about what the routine is and having not been in there for two years, but it the, the thing is Steph stays around late, so other guys are kind of around too. It's just part of what they do. And Draymond was out of there, like he was out of there again. Not unique to other nights. Draymond can get out of there fast. He does have you know he he tends to get out of locker room fast. And, and well, he's here's not doing media. I'll jump in real fast, Tim, and I'm curious your, your your thoughts on this. If you think about the timing, you know, in today's day and age with players, just generational, the game ends, and even a guy like Draymond, who's 32, he's going to look at his phone right away <laughs> after the game. And that night, as you know, there was that that fairly viral clip yep. of yep. Andre and, and you know and and Steph next to him, seemingly reacting to that moment between LeBron and Draymond on the court where I know we, we are guilty in this day and age of like, you know, social media sleuthing and you think you can read no people's question. minds, no but it's like, all right, there was a weird moment where it seemed like Draymond's teammates were reacting either sarcastically or negatively to his, his kind of, you know, his, his bromance with LeBron. Um, it's a pretty safe assumption that like by the time he hit the locker room and peeked at his phone, that stuff crossed his screen you just kind of wonder you know where his head was at at that point as i walked in again i don't want to i i'm probably talking about this too much but you and i can talk about this because we both saw it and i think sometimes people you know want to hear this and, and try to put it in context i walk in there's draymond on one side kind of chat with you guys next to one door and there's andre godala on the other side talking to some other people to the other door and what happens they both go out separate doors not saying it means anything it just with the contextual things that are involved with this dynasty, with all with these relationships, with all the, the images that we know of, I thought it was interesting. Uh, and maybe it Agreed. means nothing at all. But they weren't talking to each other. I'll put it that way. And they did not. They went out separate doors. And everyone else is kind of hanging around and chatting. And it was really loose. Like, they right. were, you know, they were having... Wiggins and Poole were talking about the ring and jewelry and, you know, what they're, you know, that kind of thing. And Steph was just Steph. Um, Steph was talking football with you guys, I think. Yes, he was. Yes. Know, and he's yes. helping me write a column. Uh, I don't, oh, I don't want to say that, but yeah, I got a column <laughs> coming up that might have been, I've been talking through with with some people. Clay was, uh, not about uh, the know. Warriors at all. Not about the Warriors at all, by the way. Fair, yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble there. I, <laughs> I know we're going to move on, but I, did you hear the part, this, this kind of popped up, there was context from the other night. Were you in there when, uh, when I heard Clay uh, talking a little bit about his apology to uh, to Ronnie Two K, the uh, you know the no, founder. No, no, I was not there for that. Yeah, it was yeah, interesting because yeah. Clay apologized on social media because he had complained about his three point rating yes. in the game, and uh, and I actually heard him talking. I don't want to put the guy out there, but to to a guy he's very friendly with, and saying, and I think Clay would be fine with this getting shared. Like he was like, man, that's not in my character. Like, yeah, I got to apologize, and and he was like, you know, kind of unpacking his own uh you know online what he called cyberbullying he's like you know he said cyberbullying <laughs> is lame so, you know so to your point though there was a lot of 
lighthearted stuff happening with all the other guys. Yeah. Uh, and and then Draymond left early, and, and Andre was out of there. I would say I was talking to Clay a little bit. He was again. He's been very relaxed and he was i asked him did you was that i think slater did it was that an accident were you supposed to get the give the mic to steph there because clearly because you he spoke before the game you know spoke for the team which is a big deal and also here's steph and stuff like uh not right now right. he played the video he goes yeah yeah that was my, that was my mistake sorry about that i wasn't right. supposed to give it to steph there so uh those are great moments and and, and sam i'll just say you're part of the pro basketball right association has worked very hard to get writers and the media back in the locker room and i think they've done it in a very smart way uh you know it's a tiered way maybe other people don't love it but they kind of winnowed down the total which is fine the working media only in there uh i think the players i hopefully appreciate that Uh, and i think this is how you get to know people you have conversations they can get mad at you they cannot be mad i told you like i'm just being there because you know i've written some things i don't think ripping draymond in any way but like let's just be clear about it they've got a cut in money they right. gave two of the guys that they that money for next year, and then didn't give the other guy the money. Like, and he's the guy who punched the other guy. Right. So let's just be clear about the situation. And so I was in there just to make sure that you know, if he had anything he wanted to clear with me. I know Draymond. We've gone back and forth at times. We've been very, very good at times. But being in the locker room, I credit you and many other people for helping us to get in back in the locker room and have those relationships. I appreciate it. No, it was fun. And you're right. And that's, that's a major part of it, right? Is I mean, whether you call it not necessarily, I mean, there's an accountability element. It's just, you know, showing your face when you write something that, that the player might have something to say about. And that's that's where what what I think we try to do is different. And, you know, and to a lesser degree, I was in the same headspace. You know, I wrote a column about how the Warriors owe Jordan Poole, you know, a huge thanks because he's letting them get through this saga. So if Draymond had any feelings about that column or any other Warriors officials, you know, being there is, is part of the job where you got to have it be a two-way street. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Context, man. It's context, and, and it's been lacking some last few. We've we've all felt it. Uh, the Warriors have been, you know, good about having their players available, but again, it's their choice at their time, you know, when it's just the podium and the locker room opens up and and if you can spend some time there, I think it's very valuable and it's very valuable for everybody. It's valuable for the players too. I frankly, I believe that. So Sam, you know, we're all talking about Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody and how this deep team and can they find minutes? What minutes are they going to get? I haven't asked you about this. Like, what do you think about, let's say Wiseman and Kaminga, like, do you think, they have to play? Do you think they've earned minutes? Do you think they could screw this up? Just this season for those guys, we know they represent a lot of their future. What do you think about those two guys like this season? Yeah, I think, you know, the roles have got to increase. It seems like the trust level is in a decent place with Kerr and both those guys. Um, you know, Wiseman obviously, you know, is is the fresher 
talent in terms of just not having been you know able to get the burn last year um but man like you see the you know kind of <laughs> i mean the, like the andrew bogut plus role you know what i mean more athletic um you know more more capable of, of being dynamic and and i think they do have to play and then kaminga is such an interesting guy because you know the the more he develops and the better he is then you know if steve kerr has nights when he does and even in the greater context of the draymond experience you know if he if he wants to to kind of wean off of that a little bit because it would put the Warriors in a, a position of power just with more options. You know, Kaminga's play is a massive factor in that. He's obviously a very different player than Draymond. So the, the other luxury they have is that, you know, they're not going to be chasing wins. They're not going to be out here trying to get to 70 or 60 even. And so I think the kind of holistic development of, you know, the whole old new track that you've written about so well like they can focus on that and they're going to keep winning on most nights. And that means that you can run lineups out there that you'd probably be nervous to run during the postseason. But but tinkering is going to be a major part, I think, of the entire regular season. And and again, the West is brutal. You know, Steve's going to have to walk that tightrope when it comes to, you know, the uh, the experimentation and the development aspect of things and then remaining at the top of the West or at least near it. But, yeah, I think those guys are, are going to play a much bigger part than last year. Well, let's do a short sample size uh, judgments here because that's what we do after one game. Yep. Uh, basically, everybody's played one game. Uh, you're covering the league. You watch everything. And, I mean, the Suns will come back. And I wrote down here during the game, like, are the Suns over? I was going to ask you about that. And they come back and win it. Damian Lee says no. Damian Lee says, this says is no. It. We're, this yeah. is my yeah. league now. Great for Damian. We, we all Steps saw the, Steph, the Steph I assume screen. you saw the video yeah, of Steph waking up his son. I was, was like, amazing. you're waking me up, Steph. This is so freaking loud. Are you kidding me? Cannon's like, would you shut up, Dad? I'm trying to sleep here. Uh Suns did not look good, right? They did not look good, and and the, hell of a comeback though. I mean, hell of a comeback, and, and good, good. God bless them for all that. But with Chris Paul on the bench, uh, wild Lakers. I mean, again, I don't know that you consider the Lakers a power, but obviously they looked terrible in one game. Again, one game, but that was bad. So yeah. where's the crisis here? Where, where, where what's the what's the Sam Amick crisis number one team right now? Look, we could throw the Nets in there. Who did not? Ben Simmons obviously looked incredibly rusty. We're, who's the number one crisis team in the league right now? I'll probably. I'm biased. I'm. I'm so you know. And, and you know, you got your LA background, so you yeah. and I have oh. always kind of clicked on this front. Like you know, I'm pretty LA heavy, and I think it's probably the Lakers. Um, you know, because it wasn't just getting beat by the champs. That happens. No big deal. But it's the lack of shooting. It's the lack of pop. It's Anthony Davis, you know, being an not, not even an X factor, like the biggest factor for their season, you know, him not looking very good. And and then it's like you look up and, okay, LeBron got a little closer to Kareem's all-time scoring record and they got, you know, their hat handed to him. It seems like that might happen a lot of nights mm -hmm. this year. But more importantly, to your question about crisis, it's the way that LeBron and Russ both chose to handle their post-game media where – you know, and, and credit to our, our friend and colleague, Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times, I thought asked some good questions of LeBron about the Lakers three-point shooting and sparked an answer where on game one, you've got LeBron. I mean, I'm sorry, anytime a star player uses phrasing like, you know, when LeBron said, let's be honest, our team is not constructed with a lot of shooting. That word constructed <laughs> points a finger at one person and, you know, went on to make a comparison 
to Tom Brady's, you know, football life and, and having, you know, dealing with rosters that don't have deep threats and, and comparing that to the lack of shooting on the Lakers. And so LeBron was, was coming in hot with the anti-shooting commentary. Russ came out and blamed his hamstring injury coming into the regular season on the Lakers' choice to bring him off the bench. That's a massive problem because by all accounts, first-year coach Darvin Ham like, would prefer to bring Russ off the bench, and he is already getting major pushback. So it's ugly. You know, they, they can't shoot. And, and the defense, it was supposed to be their staple, you know, wasn't there the, the other night. The locker room dynamics are uncomfortable and, and maybe even tense at times, but then I don't think the roster is going to change soon. I think they're going to wait and see the, how the market unfolds. And so I think, you know, we could look up a couple months from now, the Lakers are going to be just fighting it to even be near 500. I don't know if I asked you this. We were talking about it after the game with a few people. I mean, you mentioned like LeBron's putting the focus on Rob Palenka. That's who he's putting on the GM, yeah. uh, who did make the moves. But, you know, there's other people involved. We know there's Kurt Rambis, Linda Rambis, Jeannie Buss, all up in the Phil Jackson even. Uh, but it's Rob Palenka making these moves. So what's the end game here? What's LeBron's end? Does he want Palenka fired? Uh, does he want, uh, I assume he wants Westbrook traded for something, but I don't know that they can do that without giving up all of their future draft picks. Like what's LeBron's purpose here? What's his point? Um, I think it's, uh, it's a move at some point. Now I, you know, I, we were told when we wrote in depth on the Lakers a couple of weeks ago that, that he was not pushing internally for the Pacers trade that, you know, that has been much talked about that would either give the Lakers Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, but that would cost them the two first or one or the other, that LeBron was not pushing for that. I think, you know, in general, it's, you know, if I had to guess, it's it's a little bit of like, yeah, go ahead and go get Buddy Hill, please. Like we need some mm-hmm. shooting or somebody else. But, you know, if you look at the way this season's going to unfold with the Victor Wembanyama, I can never say it, sweepstakes being such a driving force, I think the Lakers are going to have to be patient. And I think LeBron knows that because, you know, you look at a team like Chicago going into the season, there was some folks around the league who felt like, all right, Levine's hurt. We're not sure where DeMar's head is at. Um, there's a little bit of chatter that if the Bulls had a bad season, you know, maybe he would try to push his way somewhere else. Um, so a team like Chicago, maybe if they go south, could the Lakers swoop in and, and pick something up there? Or other teams that might pivot and, and not prioritize this season. That takes patience. But you know, all along the way, the Lakers might rack up losses and, and struggle big time. Now, I don't think that LeBron is trying to get Rob fired. I think, I mean, he knows they just gave him an extension. Like he's not going anywhere. He's got the same length contract as Darvin Ham. Um, I just think he's going to probably share his angst somewhat publicly uh, until they get this thing fixed. LeBron has a way of doing that. Uh, yes. <laughs> there's no question about that. Uh, listen, it's a, it's a weird, wacky roster last season, and this one might be even worse. Uh, let's talk some Kings. I always got to talk Kings. What is the hope there? It, it's, you know, it, it's a bonus plus Fox plus what? And do you have, is this, is there more going on that we all know? Mike Brown, uh, Mike Brown, absolutely good coach. Let's see what he can do. Put some defensive fundamentals in them. Is this season the hope any different than some of the dashed hopes they've had for all the past decade? I mean, the answer, Tim, is yes. But then, you know, on night number one, you get reminded that like, Hope in a vacuum is is really pointless, and it's got to be hope within the scope of the West and the league at large. And you know they go out in their home opener, and they they give a game away to Portland. And next thing you know, 
you're playing, uh, what is it, the Clippers on Saturday, the Warriors on Sunday, then comes Memphis, then comes Miami, and they could be 0-5. And then the hope goes you know, pretty quickly from there. I do like their team, and, and I, I love what Mike Brown has been doing. I've been around their team a pretty decent amount during camp and heading into the season. And, you know, it, it's not, it's not uh, you know, kind of gimmicky by any means. Mike has authentically convinced his players and I think front office and, and even ownership of, you know, his ability to, to really, you know, partly try to not recreate what the Warriors have, but learn from his Warriors experience, learn from his San Antonio experience and, and the Greg Popovich lessons about relationships, you know, like a quick side story that that'll be on our website later in this week. I did a piece on De'Aaron Fox and it's like when Mike got hired during the playoffs, um, they basically had a little off day between because the Mavs got to game seven against Phoenix. The Warriors had an off day. Mike decides the first thing I need to do is get on a plane, go see De'Aaron Fox in San Diego. He goes to a Mexican restaurant with De'Aaron, with his wife, his soon-to-be wife, uh, you know, family, and, and connects with them, doesn't talk basketball at all. You know, that's the process of connecting with De'Aaron. Does similar stuff with Tomato Sabonis, all the way down to Alex Len, you know, one of their big man reserves who told the story about how Mike called him during Eurobasket, didn't even tell Alex that he had crossed the globe. I don't know if, if Mike went just for the sole purpose of seeing Alex, but he basically called him and said, hey, I'm in the neighborhood. I'm going to come see your game today. Um, you know, that's a guy who's who's the 11th guy off the bench. So that stuff has been great. Um, and then, but the results have got to come. Uh, the, the loss to Portland was brutal because Darren Fox had one of the best games of his career. Now he had eight turnovers. That was terrible. But he goes 33-7-7. and Looks fantastic, given effort on the defensive end. Kevin Herter, who looks like a pretty good backcourt mate for De'Aaron, uh, you know, ends up, I think, with 24. They were 11 of 18 from three combined, and they still, they lose. And it's the same story it's been for 16 years, and this is the part that Mike's got to change, is they give up 30-plus points in three out of four quarters. And so, you know, it's 115 total. You know, you end up losing by 12, and uh, and they're off to a tough start. But it's it's the, the positivity. I always I always I'm just been amused by the positivity from people around that team every yeah. year. You know, like okay, maybe you're right. At some point, they are going to do the right things. Maybe not with that owner though. You know, uh, who knows? And and you know, God knows, Mike Brown's going to give it every effort. They're going uh, he's going to get the, the very best shot out of this. Uh, and I did not love the Halliburton trade for Sabonis, and I just was on the record about that, and I still don't sure. like it. Uh, but we shall see. All right, Sammy, I'm going to ask you a version of the question I've asked you many times before. I've asked all my guests at the end of the show. Uh, I love the answers. I'm sure we will get a good one from you, Sam Amick. What's your favorite TV show right now? So uh, I, uh, I'm an Apple TV guy. I mean, I'm kind of a like everybody else, a multi-platform guy. And uh, there is a show, and, and the context, I guess, personally, is that I have two sisters. So that, that was kind of how I was raised, right? Um, there's a show called Bad Sisters on <laughs> Apple TV. That uh, also got my attention because we had a, a wonderful European vacation during the off season, right? Well, Bad Sisters is based in Ireland, and and it's this. I think it's five sisters who uh, they have one sister who has a, a husband who is a, just an awful, terrible person. And without giving too much away, the these sisters essentially decide, you know, because he has over the years had done a series of offenses towards the sisters that, that made them hate him. Uh, these sisters decide that in order to get 
you know, their one sister back from this awful husband that they're just going to have to knock him off. Like that's just what's going to have to happen. And it's dark and it's funny and it's got family components. Um, and Irish, uh, they're Irish. Uh, they're Irish. Yeah. 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 So it's a subtitle action, Tim. I got, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> you watch Peaky Blinders at all, by the way? They, all these sports guys love Peaky Blinders, and I cannot freaking understand it. So I do have to go back and try to watch it with the subtitles because I cannot freaking understand. That's a running joke in our family because anything with any British tint to it at all, I've got to throw. The, my my wife that she loves that stuff. She doesn't need the subtitles. I need the subtitles and. I mean, I'm getting old. The hearing is, you know, going a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got the, yeah. Uh, Anyway, we can go on, on stories on and on about that. But Bad Sisters, the Sam Amick, uh, number one TV show. Glad to hear. I've not heard of it. I got to actually get my uh, Apple Plus. I I realize I only got the six-month free subscription because I try to look at something now and I can't watch it anymore because I think it was for Ted Lasso. You got to get it for Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah. I'll get it again when Lasso comes back on. I think that's how I got it, the six-month. I figured I'll just watch all of them and then then I'll get it again. I just forgot I did that. So I'm like trying to watch Severance, right? I started watching Severance and then my, well, the six months was over and I can't watch it anymore. So we'll I will say briefly the the other more on brand one. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Is uh, is the Redeem Team documentary yeah, was yeah. pretty good. I, I just saw that. that. Yeah, I gotta watch that for sure. Definitely yeah. gotta watch that. Yeah. All right, Sam. Thank you so much for your time. Great conversation as always. I'm sure I will see you soon. But uh, thanks so much for doing this. You got it. Thanks, TK. Everybody, show for today.